0: profitable path you've been searching for. With unlimited coaching, your success is guaranteed. Go to GeraldineCarter.com to learn more. Dates, times, pricing, it's all there.
1: These women and you and I, we accomplish big things just because we accomplish big things.
0: Welcome to the She Thinks Big podcast, where you'll hear from women entrepreneurs who are doing good in the world, from spark to screw up to success. Thinking Big is in their core. It's in yours and it's in mine. I've traveled to 50 countries and seven continents, done an Ironman, and co-founded a company that has generated millions of dollars for sustainability. My name is Geraldine Carter, and I'm delighted to share with you conversations and coaching with amazing women. Time to get inspired and grow your impact. Hi, Big Thinkers. I'm doing something different today. I wanted to change it up. I often think about who I wanna have on my podcast, why I'm doing it, and where I can take this idea of thinking big and playing big. I thought it would be interesting to have someone interview me to get my thoughts out. And who better to ask than Jody Flynn of the Women Taking the Lead podcast? I've been listening to Jody for years and have long been inspired by her show. She calls me forward to be more authentic and real, do less hiding out and really step up my game. When I asked her if she wanted to do it, she was a wholehearted yes. A quick note, I didn't scrub the audio on purpose. I wanted the conversation to feel more real than polished. Now buckle up, here's Jody Flynn of Women Taking the Lead.
1: Hello everyone and thank you for joining us. My name is Jody Flynn and I am from the Women Taking the Lead podcast. I am here to switch roles with Geraldine. Normally she's in control and this time she's in the hot seat and I'm so excited about this although I'm sure she's a little bit nervous so everyone send her some positive energy cuz we're going to hear some great stuff from this woman. And Geraldine before I ask you to introduce yourself, I want to share with everyone who you are me. I first heard of you when you were interviewed in episode 36 of the Speaking Your Brand podcast by Carol Cox. Hi, Carol. Hey, Carol. And I was blown Away. The title of the episode is Creating a Business for Change with Geraldine Carter. And in it, you shared about Climate Ride, the multimillion dollar nonprofit, and I took this from the website. So this is in quotes that organized life-changing charitable biking and hiking events to raise awareness and support sustainability, active transportation, and environmental causes. Now, this was a global initiative, I believe, because you went to other countries and drew in a lot of people. I listened to that episode and you know that experience of listening to women's stories and initiatives. And I thought, whoa, this woman is a badass. Like I so enjoyed that conversation. Now, that being said, you were also coached on the episode by Carol and got vulnerable about the challenges that you were facing, but it only solidified for me that you are the real deal, right? You've got it both. Like you're a take charge, get it done kind of person, but you're not afraid to open up and be honest about what's going on. And for those listening, after you finish this episode, go watch Seth Godin's TED Talk on Tribes. And you may just see a familiar face around minute 13, 29 seconds. Total. Badass. Now, Geraldine, we may have interacted a couple of times since that episode came out through Carol's Facebook group, but I was really blown away when, in early April of this year, you reached out to me because you were one. You were going to be creating and launching a podcast, and you wanted some guidance on that. And secondly, you wanted to identify the mindsets that were potentially holding you back in your business, and or really not really holding you back because your business is going and it's thriving and it's doing its thing, but. really keeping you from owning your full power and value as a coach. And three, oh, by the way, you were about to have your second child in the next month. (laughs) (laughs) A woman who's eight months pregnant, getting on the phone with another coach who's like, I've got really big plans. Oh, by the way, (laughs) they may have to wait a little bit. (laughs) I can't
0: reach my keyboard because my belly's in the way. (laughs) Right.
1: Or I think the way we started that call, you were like, I have to eat something and it's required. (laughs) (laughs) So you don't mind if I eat while we're on the phone. It's hilarious. And I was so honored you even considered me Though we both agreed the podcast was your first focus after you got back from maternity leave. And that's not my area of expertise, but we we talked a couple of times, awesome conversations, and was so excited to get to know you on a deeper level. Now, fast forward to last week, although we've been on each others radar and, you know, we're connected on Facebook again and, and those sort of things. But I got a message from you through Facebook and I'm quoting this cause I want everyone to hear it word for word. I have a totally crazy forward slash weird idea for you. Maybe I should lead off with, hi, how are you? Because I don't know what headspace you're in. How are you doing? How is your mom? <laughs> And this was the response I had. Exactly. While I was reading that, I chuckled and was laughing. I was so delighted. And when you shared your idea, with me of doing this episode and allowing me to interview you, I was an immediate like, yes, exclamation point. I believe we were talking at that point. I think I may have even cut you off from asking the full question because I saw where (laughs) you were going. (laughs) And I was like, yes, yes, of course, let's do this. And I so want the world to know you better, not just because of all the big things you're up to, but because you're also willing to get vulnerable. And when someone gets to know you You are absolutely delightful. And I think that's a pitfall of high performers, high achievers. They exude a lot of confidence, competence, and a let's get it done energy that people can misread them and think that's the totality of who they are, when in fact, they are multifaceted. And at the end of the day, They are human beings trying to make it in the world like everyone else and do some good along the way. So Geraldine, this is a snapshot of who you are for me. I would like for you to share with everyone more about you, your accomplishments, and how you see yourself.
0: (laughs) God, don't make me do that. (laughs) That was quite an intro.
1: (laughs) I warned you. I sent Geraldine a message the other day. I'm like, I'm sitting in a coffee shop and I've got two and a half pages of your intro written. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and then followed by four pages of questions. And I was like, oh no, what have I done?
1: <laughs> okay, so who I am and what? Who you are, your accomplishments, and how you see yourself. We don't
0: have time to list out all my accomplishments, Jody. The big ones. Okay, just the big ones. Well, who I am, like that's a hard question to answer. There's a lot to who a person is. So who I am is a number of different things, right? Just like everybody. So I'm a coach and I coach women who have a business that is making the world a better place. I am a, and this is not in order of importance, by the way, I am a mother of two tiny ones, a spouse, although not legally. I am also a mom to three cats. I'm a mountain biker and a skier and a runner, although now I run pushing a stroller, so it's not running fast but who cares? Those are the big pieces right now. And there's not a lot of room for too much else when you have two little.
1: And what are some of the things that you've accomplished in your life thus far?
0: So I've run five marathons. I was hell bent on running Boston. It took me four to qualify. I think I ran, the third one I ran was Philly and I ran in 353 and I needed to run a 340 and I was like, nope, not good enough. So I'm going to go find an obscure flat race in Fort Wayne, Indiana. <laughs> so I can qualify which I did and I ran in 338 and then I ran Boston in 336 and that was really fun and that was when I was 22 what else have I done so yeah we can't bury that I did an Ironman when I was 26 and my favorite travels are I went to Everest Base Camp in 2006 that was really fun and then I really enjoyed Nepal so I went back and I hiked the Annapurna circuit and I went to Burma on my bicycle and I tried to get into China and the Chinese wouldn't let me in and the Burmese wouldn't let me out. So I rode across the top of Thailand to Laos. And then I thought I was going to Cambodia, but it was hot, flat, and boring. So I turned around and went to Vietnam and then up into China from Vietnam and then back down to Laos and back to Thailand. And that was a really great trip. I rode my bike from Puerto Montt in Chile down to... Koyeke, which if you're not familiar with the area will mean nothing to you, but all along the Carretero Straw, which is this like very isolated dirt road in Patagonia. I then went down to Southern Patagonia and I was like, well, I'm here. I might as well go to Antarctica. So I got on a Russian research vessel that in fairness had been converted to a tourist ship and went to Antarctica. And that was really amazing. That was a trip of a lifetime. That was really cool. I've been to Bhutan twice. That was amazing. And I lived in New Zealand for six months. I lived in Guatemala for three months. I have an engineering degree from a well-known university. Is that good? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I co-founded this company called Climate Ride. A friend and I were like, why is there no fundraising bicycle event for environmental causes? and for like active transportation and actually riding bikes because duh, like that's really one obvious way to reduce climate change and carbon pollution. And there wasn't one and we were like, is this a good idea or not? But we're like, well, let's try and see what happens. So we decided to put on an event from New York City to Washington DC. And we're like, can you even ride a bike from New York to DC? Can you even do that? And it turns out you can and the riding is gorgeous. And then at the end, we thought it would be great to have our riders meet with their members of Congress. So we organized meetings for all of our riders from like 25 States for all their senators and reps, which is a monumental amount of work to set up all those meetings but was really cool because it really helps get people engaged in the political process. And then, of course, we had senators and members of Congress come and speak to our riders in front of the Capitol. And I had to introduce them or got to introduce them. And it was really kind of an out-of-body experience to be standing on the West Capitol lawn with a microphone in my hand and the Capitol behind me introducing senators. I was like, who am I? (laughs) (laughs) And now here's Senator Ben Cardin. I'm like, what? Who am I?
1: What I really love about what you're saying is, one, you wanted to know when you met expectations. (laughs) And two, (laughs) did that meet your expectation? And two, after everything you did, there are still those small moments that make you go, oh my God, like, am I really doing this? Like after all you had accomplished. And where I'd like to pivot is kind of based on all that. You and I were talking about, okay, we're both high performers, we're high achievers, but we've traveled different roads in terms of experiences around um, the achievement of accomplishments and our mindsets and that sort of thing. Like my backstory is, oh my God, I was like painfully shy when I was little, full of self-doubt. It was a journey of like teachers and people helping me build up my confidence and then small wins till the ball got rolling. And then all of a sudden I was like, I'm awesome. I'm confident. I can totally do this. Whereas you're like, I don't remember a time when I wasn't you know, doing stuff. It just always, was there. So I'm curious. And I know like that's kind of your automatic response, but I want to see if we can maybe peel back some layers here to see maybe where it started. If it did have a starting point, you know, specifically, you know, where did you get the notion that you could not only think big, right? Because some of us don't even give ourselves permission to think big or the thought comes and we're in immediately like, no, no, nope, can't do that. You not only were able to think big, but you also believe that you actually had it in you, that you could accomplish those big things. And I'm curious, is it just how you're wired or were you nurtured that way? Were you surrounded by people who were just constantly supporting and, and encouraging you along the way? Or do you believe there's just something in you, your mind is wired, you know, to think big and go after it?
0: Probably some of both. And just to go back to your earlier thing about like, is that enough now? I also have this mental running thing about like, God, do I sound like a jackass? Because that's really the thing that runs in the back of my mind.
1: Am I bragging?
0: Yes, but the word jackass comes to mind. Mm Mm-hmm. So, back to this question of, you know, how am I wired and was I nurtured that way? You know, I don't think I was necessarily overtly nurtured that way, but I do come from a long line of women adventurers in my family. So, I think it was just sort of modeled that way. Mm -hmm. My mom is from France. She moved to the US when she was 25. Her mom's sister saw an ad in the paper in Marseille in like the 1902s or something advertising a need for hat makers in the Pacific Islands. And she called up her sister or wrote her a letter probably, was like, hey, do you want to go to the Pacific Islands with me? And my mom's mom, the sister, was like, yeah, sure. So they got on a steamer and went to the Pacific Islands and lived there. And that's where my mom was born. And on my dad's side, his mom went all over the place as well. And that would have been like the 19-teens. I think she was in Paris when Lindenberg or Hinberg or whoever flew across the Atlantic for the first time. So the travel bug and the adventure bug definitely runs in the women in my family going back. Mm Mm-hmm. So I don't think that I was ever afraid of traveling and going out there. To me, that's not thinking big. That's just being curious about like, what is beyond the confines of my, you know, my little state and wanting to see what was out there. But then in terms of like the athletic stuff, I would say, I'm just curious to see what I can do it's more about like, wow, other people are doing that. I wonder if I can do that, you know? And then you do like a 10K or a half marathon. You're like, okay, I did a half marathon. Like, I wonder if I can do a marathon. I mean, I didn't think I could do a marathon until I read that Oprah had done her first. And like, I don't know remember when it was probably 1995 or six. And I was like, if Oprah could do it, maybe I could do it. And then, you know, that happened. And I was like, I wonder if I could do an Ironman. And then I... <laughs> Got invited to swim across Cayuga Lake by the men's swim team. And I don't know how this happened. I think my scuba instructor knew them. And she's like, we're swimming across the lake today. It's a mile. You want to come? And I was like, okay. So I tried it and I jumped in the water. And of course, like they immediately took off. And I got halfway across the lake and I got scooped up by the (laughs) river. (laughs) the rescue boat, because I was too far behind. And I was like, I don't know if I can swim two and a half miles, but maybe I can. I got scooped up after a half mile, but let's see what happens. So I think I have, if anything, just a willing to try and screw up and you know, what's the worst that happens? Like you don't finish, big deal. You know, I'm good at making messes. It's really, I think if anything, I'm wired to just like make messes, screw up, try things, fall on my face, and then pick up the pieces. Perhaps not the most elegant way of going about things, but that's what I do.
1: But that's typically what happens. I think this notion of, oh my God, they're so successful and they did it so perfectly to get there. It's like, you're not even seeing a 10th of the real story and what goes on behind the scenes. And I love how you answered this question because I read a book recently called The Talent Code, and I wish I could remember the author's name, but The Talent Code is the name of the book. And they talked about how is it that all of a sudden in small pockets, you know, geographically, that all of a sudden you have all these people who are like masters or experts at a certain thing, be it golf or violin or what have you. And it talked about the different things that are present. The author called them like hotbeds of talent. And one of the things that's present is the group or one person in the group like does it. And then the others go, well, if they can do it, I can do it. Or you see someone who is like you, something about them you identify with, you see them become successful at a particular thing. And again, you have this picture of, well, they're like me. If they can do it, I can do it. You know, so you have this family legacy that life is meant to be travel is a part of it. Like you travel and you explore and it's not anything special from your family background. It's just part of how you live life. A lot like you make turkey on Thanksgiving day. You know, when you're old enough, you go off on an adventure. Like this is just what you do. Another thing you said a lot was, I wonder, I wonder... I wonder, like you're very curious about what you're capable of and that compounded with the fact that you're not afraid to make mistakes or look bad or look foolish. Like you have this wondering of like, could I do it? I think I could do it. At the very least I can try. And then you just go for it. And I think what you're pointing to is this very nature perspective of this can be taught or introduced to people, these thoughts, the notion of what it takes to become someone who is a little more adventurous, a little more confident about it, or at the very least, not afraid to look bad.
0: I think it's the not afraid part that speaks to me, right? Is that like really what's the worst that's going to happen? I certainly don't want people to be like me, (laughs) like don't come over here because there's a hot mess happening behind the scenes. (laughs) (laughs) It may look like one thing, but trust me.
1: You can follow me on Facebook, but you can't come into my living room because then you'll know what a mess I am.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You don't really want all of this. (laughs) You can do without the fear part. And that's the part that I think powers me in some way is that... In particular, it makes me think of the times that I was out on my bike by myself and so many people would come up to me being like, Oh my God, aren't you afraid that da-da-da-da-da? And they would list out all these fears. And I'm like, No, none of those things ever happen. Mm -hmm. The worst that happens is you get a flat tire in the rain and you stand there in the cold and cars splash you with, you know, gritty water and it really sucks and it's miserable, but it doesn't last that long. And you change your flat tire and you keep going. But like you don't get eaten by bears and you know, you don't get scooped up by random crazy people. Those things don't happen and tragedies do actually happen. They do on occasion happen but they're far more the exception than the rule. And what I experienced so much joy and so many wonderful experiences being out on the road by myself, I mean, the incredibleness so much outweighed any bad things that happened that I see people holding them back and missing out on amazing things because they're scared of fictional monsters. Yes. That's what I really want to get to for people is like there are not monsters out there in the world that are going to eat you because you make a mistake in your business. But sometimes we behave as if there are and we hold ourselves back. And I see a lot of women holding themselves back from doing the things that I totally know they're capable of and they know they're capable of but somehow they've got like little, you know, purple dragons nipping at their heels and they freeze. And I want them to stop doing that.
1: Yeah, the fear of failure, the fear of success and the fear of looking bad.
0: yes and self-included right like I can raise my hand all those things
1: yeah the common ones it's so funny it reminds me of the statistic that you're more likely to die getting hit by lightning than to die in an airplane crash but how many people are so afraid to fly or avoid flying because they're afraid they're gonna be in a plane crash it's not to say it doesn't happen but the odds of it are so rare like why are you letting this hold you back yeah it's crazy but it's real like for the person experience it the perception feels real they just have to get to a place where they realize it's just a perception or it's just a belief
0: Sure yeah the feelings are very real but the risk is perhaps outsized compared to the likelihood
1: Yes and Geraldine what are some of the things that you've learned from you know your travel adventures as well as your physical adventures and you know you can even add to the mix some business adventures because we didn't even talk about the fact that You also started a business, started that. Well, you talked about climate, right? But you started a coaching business and you launched a podcast too.
0: Yes. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) What have I learned? I've learned that in Burma, I've learned that not all bike tubes are made the same. And then if you go to Burma, you have to bring a different kind because the valve is wider than the hole in your rim. And that is a problem. And I had to drill a wider hole in my rim to accommodate their tubes. And I got a lot of flat tires in Burma. And that was a pain. What else have I learned? You know, that chasing your big dreams, there are moments where it feels painful. I haven't figured out yet how to get past the pain of woefully screwing up. I can get past the pain of like the little screw ups don't bother me. I'm used to kind of screwing up. It's how I learn is to just screw up and try this and it doesn't work. And I'm like, okay, that didn't work. But there are still times when it's really challenging. It can still be really painful and I can still get caught in that.
1: Let's bring this down to ground level. Give me an example of when you have willfully screwed up.
0: I don't know if this one qualifies as woefully, but I made a purchase in my business not that long ago that was a 90% waste of money, and it was way more money than I should have spent or had.
1: Okay, let's make a distinction here because people probably caught it. I thought I heard you say willfully screw up. You said woefully screw up. Woefully. Woefully. W-O-E. I thought you were talking about self-sabotage at first. I was like, what is that? What does that look like? So this is the times where the screw-ups are described as you run and hit the wall. Like you're running so hard. Yes. Right into a wall.
0: And you fall down into a puddle, like Bugs Bunny style, right?
1: Right. And so what you just described for us is what I can imagine was you going into that decision, you were kind of like rolling the dice. You didn't really have the money. It was a big investment. But nobody makes that kind of decision unless they think, okay, this is going to pay off in the end. Like this is a big investment, but it's going to pay off. You made the big investment and it did not pay off. And in retrospect, you went, whoa, what was I thinking?
0: So here's the thing, and here's what makes it painful, that I knew in my gut, I knew in my being, down to my bones, that I should not spend this money.
1: So you woefully and willfully (laughs) made this mistake.
0: Yes, I got stuck in people pleasing, and I got stuck in hurry, 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 and I ignored the voice in my head that was telling me, don't do this, don't do this, slow it down, slow it down, do your homework, vet this program, get some testimonials or some references, do your background checks. I ignored it probably because I was like a month away from giving birth. And I was like, I've got to get this done. Like if it doesn't happen now, I'm not doing it for six months or a year. Yeah. I think that was the painful part was that like, once again, I didn't listen to my own knowledge. And that's what I think the painful part is that like, or I'm angry at myself because the quote unquote knew better, except for I didn't know better. Cause if I would known better, I wouldn't have done it. Right. in my higher self, I can objectively look at it and be like, well, it's just one more time. And it's just one more lesson and life gives you lessons and it'll keep giving you the same lesson until you learn it. Mm-hmm. Maybe this was the time that I learned it. Maybe not. We'll find out.
1: What you're describing in my world sounds like experiencing FOMO and people, pleasing. I can understand the people pleasing part too. It's like, oh my God, this deal's going to go away or this opportunity is going to go away. If I don't do it right now, it's something I learn over and over again, but I've gotten better at it when I take a step back and realize it will come again because opportunities come again. That's the way the world works. And in my business, I really had to learn that lesson fast because when I was first starting my business, I didn't know a lot about business. So I was on every webinar, seminar, teleclass, like researching, Googling and all this stuff. And it finally got to a point where I was like, I'm spending most of my time just researching, researching, researching. And it's conflicting with like actually doing something that will make me money. Yeah. And I need to just accept that if I can't make this webinar because I'm going to a networking lunch, well, this webinar or whatever it offers will come around again. And I can't live of like fearing that I'm going to miss an opportunity all the time.
0: You can't live in fear and you can't, like you say, live in fear of missing opportunities because there are opportunities in front of us all the time. I would even add to that, like as an entrepreneur, that if anything, it's not that there are too many, but I think one of our practices is to get good at saying no. Because I see so many of my clients saying yes to too many things and they're running in too many directions and kind of running ragged and kicking up a lot of dust and not making a lot of forward movement on the things that matter most.
1: yes, i'm gonna I'm gonna name drop another book, Essentialism by Greg McEwen. I think his tagline is something like saying no to the meaningless many, so you can say yes to the important few. Exactly. Really focus and double down on the things that are most important to you and say no to everything else. Yeah. It takes a process to set up those boundaries.
0: <laughs> yes. To second your book, Work Less, Make More by Jennifer White is also really good. And so often, the things that we need to be saying yes to are the hard and scary and maybe intimidating things, right? Like going to networking events mm-hmm. can be really difficult if you're new, if you're new in business, if you're new in town, if you're new to the social circles. And yet, that's exactly where you need to be to make the connections that will grow your business.
1: At least the first few, typically. Like you, you got to go to one or two.
0: Exactly. And if you have a history of being shy and that touches your shy buttons, boy, oh boy, I could see how you'd rather hang out at home and watch a webinar.
1: And just so everyone feels better. I bet there's a lot of people nodding their head right now. Like, yes, I don't like those events. Like I'm a pretty confident person and I'm an extrovert. And sometimes I go to those events and I'm like, oh, I don't want I know. I don't want to do this and it's like oh i'm going to have to go up and talk to people that i, I don't know. know and introduce yes. myself and it's so awkward and all. Oh. So i don't think there's any level where somebody goes like i love social networking <laughs> events. I love the mixers. Can't <laughs> get enough of them. So if you're out there and you know you need to do it and it's not that fun for you and you beat yourself up about it, stop because you are in good company, my friend.
0: <laughs> yes.
1: All right. So differently I'm very aware that I have developed my coaching system first and foremost for myself. You know, there's the expression, we teach what we need to learn, but I'd go one step further and say, or rather we teach what we need to be reminded of. I have a coach friend who introduced me to the phrase new level, new devil, meaning when you break,
0: (laughs) (laughs) isn't that great? So easy
1: to remember new level, new devil, meaning when you break through obstacles and you achieve new levels of of consciousness, performance, success, right? You get that certificate, that degree, or whatever it is. You gain those things, which is really awesome, but waiting there to greet you at that next level are the new obstacles that you have to overcome if you wanna to continue to grow and to evolve. So what obstacles are you faced with right now?
0: The biggest one is being seen. Being seen and owning my strengths. And really showing up 100% in what I do really well. Put all that together and that's like scary as pie.
1: Okay, that all tied together. First, you said being seen, owning your strengths. What was the third thing? It was similar to the first.
0: Showing up 100% in my power. I was just going to say, it's like your Marianne Williamson quote at the end of your podcast, right? It's like, who are you to not let your light shine or whatever? Yeah. And it's like that. It's like sometimes it feels a little scary to be shine all my light. (laughs) (laughs)
1: because you've got more light to shine
0: I do I hold it back I'm like am I too bright for you
1: guys yeah (laughs) blind you Which is really funny because, you know, people, when I, you know, explain to them about my clients, like my typical clients who you and I are both like my typical clients, they're kind of baffled when I say, oh, I work with, you know, high performers, high achievers who are filled with self-doubt and are perfectionists. And they're trying to show everybody that they're good enough and worthy and all of this stuff. And they were like, that doesn't even make sense to me. And some of the women who hire me, they've done amazing things in the world already. So people think. They're cured, right? They're all set. Yeah, right, no. (laughs) (laughs) When the reality is, is these women and you and I We accomplish big things just because we accomplish big things. We're capable of it. We do it. We feel compelled. There's a drive. We want to help others. We want to serve, you know, all of that stuff. But that doesn't mean that we're not a mess on the inside as well. So, you know, going back to kind of the lead into this, what does your system contain, your coaching system that you're constantly or consistently applying to yourself and sharing with your clients that, you know are helping you get through this stuff and help them in their own development. The most
0: common thing is moving fear out of the way for myself and for my clients. It's easier for me to see it when my clients are doing it, right? Because it's, you know, objectively, you're like, wait, this makes no sense. Help me square this circle here.
1: That's why we teach it. So then we can go, oh, I should apply that to myself. That was really good coaching. I just gave right there. (laughs) How about if I
0: coached myself in the way I just coached her? Then what would happen? How about if I stretched myself in the way I just stretched her, right? Like, how about if I called myself forward in the way I just called her forward? And how about if I dropped my own bullshit in the same way that I just asked her to drop hers.
1: You got right to the heart of the matter talking about moving fear out of the way because you probably hear this from your clients as well. I love this quote, I know what to do. I'm just not doing it. (laughs) Yes. How many of us, raise your hands, nobody's looking, but we feel it. (laughs) How many, raise your hand right now if you know what to do to be successful, but you're just not doing it.
0: I have not emailed my subscriber list in a year.
1: Right. This is interesting because I would say there's something you're afraid of. And when I say you, I mean the general you, not just you, Geraldine, but we can come back to you specifically. There's something you're afraid of if you're not doing whatever that thing is. Because whatever that thing is, is probably not that big of a deal. It's the thought behind doing it, like either the doing of it or the consequence. the doing of the action so for you sending out the newsletter hasn't gone out in a year what's going on there
0: the usual stuff right like i don't have anything to say what if they think i'm stupid i don't know what to write i can't think of anything i hate the formatting inside mailchimp blah blah you know just story right
1: i love it and what would you tell a client of yours if that's what they brought to the table in one of their coaching sessions
0: i probably wouldn't quite say it this way but i'd be like would you shut up send me a rough draft by Friday. <laughs> to my clients, I would say, give me a terrible first draft by tomorrow morning. Let's just get past this fear. Like It's not real. I mean, the fear is real, but the consequences that you've made up in your mind are not going to happen. So like, let's just move past it as fast as we can. Get me a terrible draft by tomorrow morning, and then we'll make it better from there, and you'll be able to send it out by Friday.
1: The first thing you said was what you would say to yourself, because we're always way meaner <laughs> to ourselves and way more <laughs> direct and unforgiving to ourselves than we are to ourselves and especially to our clients who I know you and I, we both have tons of space and love for, but at the same time, it looks like a little bit of tough love. Okay. I'm looking for a draft tomorrow. You can do this.
0: Yeah, you can do it. It's really not that hard. Let's make this happen.
1: I love that. Anything else in your system that helps your clients get to that place? Let me ask you this way. We're all eager to be where you are, right? In terms of like playing full out, thinking big, overcoming those fears, thinking big, playing big all at the same time. I first want to go back to like, how do you get somebody there?
0: It's questions around how do you create confidence in yourself? And most people are confident in themselves in some ways in some parts of their lives. They know what confidence feels like. So how do you take that confidence and map it over to where you are now where you're not feeling so much confidence? And then once you can learn how to do that, how can you make that neural pathway more of the default habitual pathway? Mm -hmm and have that replace the current habitual neural pathway, which is one of fear and self-doubt in whatever current situation you're in that you're not believing in yourself so much. Sometimes that's easy and sometimes it's less easy. It's super simple, but that doesn't mean it's easy. And I think that can be one place where people get tripped up, right? Is like, just because it's simple doesn't mean that it'll be easy and it'll take some practice. You are going to fall down and you'll have to pick yourself back up. And that's part of the process. And remembering that like there's joy to the learning process because sometimes people get into resistance about the process itself. Mm-hmm. So then how can you flip that neural pathway from like oh, uh, this is so hard learning this new neural pathway to like oh this is really fun this new neural pathway I'm enjoying learning this new thing.
1: Yeah, creating that experience mm-hmm. for your clients is huge. It's huge cuz like if somebody's trying this on their own, it probably is going to feel like a slog. Yes. You know, just oh, I gotta redo, it it redo it redo I've been it redo
0: it redo it this for 6 months. How long is this going to take me?
1: Change my thought. When am I going to
0: be there? Yeah. <laughs>
1: Exactly. (laughs) Awesome. So having somebody who can kind of hold your hand through the process and also show you how this can be fun. Like we're going to do it this way. So it is enjoyable. Yeah. Awesome. And describe for us living life, thinking big, playing big, living life full out. Describe for us the experience of living on that side of things. What's it going to be like when we get there?
0: I feel like I have to add a precursor here. I have like multiple trains of thought in my head. <laughs> And one of them is like, I don't exist in this space all the time, right? So, yes, I exist in this space some of the time, but I'm also, you know, picking myself up by my own knickers and getting myself into this space. And, you know, I don't certainly have the corner on the market of this either, right? Like, I'm just like everybody else. And then at the same time, I have this other line of thought that's invoking Terra Moore of playing big and be like, why are you diminishing yourself?
1: Well, let me make a distinction for everybody and for you here too, why this is happening. It's because you have the toolbox to get yourself there, right? We're all human beings. We're all going about our journey, but you have cracked the code on how to flip the switch to some extent, like remove the fear, get over it, you know, do the thing. You're better able, I should say, than most of us to be able to flip that switch and suddenly have this experience of It's possible, and I'm going to do it. And then you get in that mode. It's not to say you don't also kind of snap out of it, you know, on occasion, and then we have our self-doubts, or we have to rest, or that sort of thing. But because of the journey you've had, you know how to put yourself back in that space more quickly than the rest of us.
0: It's sort of like having brown hair. You don't know what it's like to have blonde hair, but I'm just going to take you at face value. (laughs) (laughs) Because I'm like, I do? Really?
1: (laughs) <laughs> hmm I would say from an outsider looking in, yes. And I've had that experience before too, public speaking, which is like one of the biggest fears on the planet. There are times when I'm public speaking when I'm never more joyful, like feeling confident. I'm in my zone. And I have this thought of this is who I am. And then I get off the stage and I'm shaking and I'm sweating. And I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> like, what, just, what just happened? Like, and people were like, you were amazing. And I was like, "Did somebody record that because I'm not there anymore. Right now I'm having a different experience. Now I'm Jody off the stage and I'm back in my life and I'm hungry and I need to get a snack and, you know, I have emails I have to return and there's a project that's behind deadline and da-da-da-da-da, right? So we can snap in and out of these moments. But before I do public speaking, I also have some rituals and some practices that build me up so I can like walk up or stand up and boom, I am on and I'm having that experience. And it's very real for me. It's not fake. It's a real full-bodied experience. And I see you do this with certain projects you take on. And when you talk about it, you're fully alive. You're there.
0: Okay, so now I forgot the question.
1: I want the women who are listening to your podcast, right? Because anyone who gets attracted to the title, she thinks big, wants to be inspired, right? And here are the stories of women who, who are thinking big, playing big. And I heard this before, and it rang so true for me, that you can only be inspired by something that is already within you. And inspiration is merely the experience of that which is already in you coming to life. So if something inspires you, it's the spirit within you you that has suddenly come to life. So women who are listening to your podcast, they want to be inspired to think big and play big, but they want to know like, what is life going to look like? So inspire them as to what life can look like when you get there, when you're playing full out. Cause it's scary to think about that.
0: Yes. So Okay. So what it comes to mind, like the vision that I have so often is I feel like I'm standing on a giant tray of jello. It really feels wobbly. Like I'm not quite on firm ground. I'm out somewhere. That feels unfamiliar, kind of shaky, new, unknown. And I also trust it. Like, I trust that it can support me. Like, if you could actually stand on a giant tray of jello and it would support you life supports you in that way it won't let you fail catastrophically and I guess by catastrophically I mean death I suppose it's very unlikely that anything really really terrible is going to happen but yet inhabiting that space where you haven't been somewhere before and it is unfamiliar and it is unknown maybe it's biological somehow you know that we're just wired evolutionarily to like not go beyond the savannah that we know or something so I recognize that feeling I know that I'm there when I feel that feeling when I feel that sort of like wobbly knee feel like I'm standing on jello. That's the place that I need to be. It is not comfortable, but I'm okay with it. And sometimes I can even befriend that feeling and be like, oh, hey, wobbly jello feeling. (laughs) I don't love it, but I'm psyched because that means I'm in the right place.
1: I love that you said that. I think there's this notion that, okay, if I'm living life full out and I'm playing full out and I'm thinking big and all this stuff, it's because I'm confident and I have it all together and I've figured it out and I've cracked the code and da da da. And that's not true.
0: It's not that. That's like this pendulum swinging all the way the other way to the sort of egoic side. I'm the master, and I've got it all handled, and it's all fine. Is like, no, that's just ego as well. Terramore talks about the two kinds of fear, and one of them is just being in awe, like in humble awe of what's possible. More back to what you were saying.
1: No, because what you're describing is being in the flow. Yeah. Right? When you're in the flow, you're not really certain of anything. You're just along for the ride.
0: You're just in it. And I think more than anything, it's just trusting your ability to handle what comes up.
1: Yes. Okay. You and I had a conversation last week where we were talking about how a lot of people have this thought like, okay, once I build up the confidence, then I'll do it. But you and I have both learned confidence comes after you do it. Yes. Before that, you're not quite sure, right? You think maybe, possibly, I'm going to try it, like, what's the worst that can happen? That's the thought and the feeling going into it. It's afterwards that you are like, I got this. Okay, I can do that. Now I feel better about it. But the confidence you build isn't confidence that the outcome is going to be what you expect it to be. It's that you can handle whatever comes at you. That's the confidence that you're looking for. Not that it'll be perfect, not that you won't make a mistake, but that whatever comes at you, you can handle it.
0: It's that. And I... I liken it to skiing in terms of confidence because you can't think your way into confidence when you're skiing. You can't study it. You can't read about it in books. You can't look up at the mountain and be like, okay, I'm going to be confident. The only way that you become a confident skier is by skiing and maybe getting some lessons. And then by challenging yourself to ski things that are a little bit harder than maybe you should be skiing. And that's how you get better. And then the more you do that, the better you're able to handle whatever conditions come at you. And you're like, whoop there's a little tree there. I shouldn't turn there. You become confident by doing it and you can't buy it. You can't get there by studying it. You can't get there by being cerebral. You can't get there by wishing. You get there by doing it and by sometimes falling on your face and getting back up and doing it again.
1: Yeah. It's like riding a bicycle. You can't learn balance by hearing about it or reading about it. It has to be experience.
0: It has to be experience. And I think that's the thing that sometimes people get afraid of is the experience, but that's the only way. (laughs)
1: Right. You just have to, but the willingness to not be afraid of making mistakes or looking bad. When you can let go of the ego needing to look good and like you have it all together, right? Our perfectionists, God knows I love you. God knows I'm one of you, you know, but like it takes letting that go and allowing mess ups. And failures and that sort of thing. Okay. So, Geraldine, we're coming near the end now. So, what I'm really curious about now, now that we've got your background story, we kind of know like what your thinking is along, you know, thinking big and playing big. What are your hopes for this podcast?
0: If I go really big, I want the podcast to be known to, I don't know, millions of women around the world who use it as a tool to help themselves develop, grow, gain confidence, trust themselves, become the full powerful women that they are fully capable of being so that they can then do whatever it is that they were put on this planet to do.
1: I have visions of that sometimes too. You just got me all lit up. Like what would the world look like if we suddenly started doing the things we know Yeah, what to do right the whole like i know what to do but i'm just not doing it what would the world look like if we just started doing those things that we already know would bring us success if we did them or brought us happiness or more peace or better relationships more money like whatever it is you're looking for and you've talked about this earlier too your inner guidance system will take you there you know if you listen to it so Geraldine, what are some of the baby steps okay someone's listening to this right now and they're like i'm in I want to, like I've been playing it safe, right? I know there's more for me out there. I know I'm meant for more. I know my life is meant to be bigger. What are some of the baby steps she can take to start moving in that direction?
0: Becoming aware of your own internal dialogue, what it's telling you that isn't serving you, becoming aware of how that makes you feel so that you can recognize it in the moment and what choices that makes you choose so that you can learn how to get out of that habitual pathway and learn how to get into the productive pathway that you know you're capable of being in. Is that too off the ground?
1: It is actually the perfect first step is just to be aware of your own inner dialogue. You know, what are you saying to yourself? If you're an introvert, I say journal it. If you're an extrovert, talk it through with a friend. I think that is a great first step because that does start to show you where the work is.
0: Yes. And so many of us are capable of so much more than we realize, and that dialogue will show you, will begin to becoming aware of that dialogue or increasing your awareness of that dialogue will illuminate the areas where you might be holding yourself back
1: and burning your energy needlessly.
0: And robbing us of your brilliance.
1: I know, we wanna know what you're up to and who you are and how you're gonna change the world, love that. And Geraldine, if they are looking to connect with you or work with you, where can they find you?
0: My website is the best place to go for that. Go to shethinksbigpodcast.com and click on the work with me tab. And you can also find me and all the other amazing big thinkers in our Facebook group by searching She Thinks Big on Facebook.
1: Awesome, Geraldine, thank you so much for inviting me to be the person who got who got to grill you <laughs> <laughs> and who you are and what you're up to in the world. It has been an absolute pleasure. I'm honored to be in front of your community. Thank you all of you for listening in. I hope you got tremendous value and realize what a tremendous woman Geraldine is. What a great leader to this community. So thank you.
0: And thank you, Jody. This has been a lot of fun and I'm so glad that you were up for this ridiculous and weird idea. And for those of you who are new to Jody, you have to check her out. Her podcast is Women Taking the Lead and you can find her in her her Facebook group as well. Thank you so much Jody, for doing this. I gotta tell you, it's kind of crazy to get interviewed on your own podcast, but so fun. Thank you Jody, for playing. When I think about women all around the world stepping into their full power and inhabiting their voices, I get chills. I can imagine all of us living cooperatively together with a massive reduction in worldwide suffering. I know you have more inside you that you keep under wraps and so just for today, I'll be sending you off with Marian Williamson's quote. If you want to check out the books Jody and I mentioned, those titles are listed in the show notes, where I'll also put links to Jody's website and podcast. Listeners, what were your key takeaways? Come share in the She Thinks Big Facebook group. If you're not a member, join us. Go to Facebook and search She Thinks Big. It's free, and it's the best place to be if your big ideas need airtime and support to grow. Thanks for listening, and see you next week. If you want to find out more about the She Thinks Big podcast or hear previous episodes, head on over to my website, shethinksbigpodcast.com. And of course, I want to know what you're thinking big about. I hope you'll share in the She Thinks Big Facebook group. I love hearing from listeners, because here in my studio, all I hear is crickets and my meowing cats. Thanks so much for listening to the show this week. You can subscribe at Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, please do leave me a raving five-star review. You can write to me at Geraldine at SheThinksBigPodcast.com. And if you want to send a tweet, I'm at Geraldine Carter. You've been listening to She Thinks Big. See you next week. And now, as promised, here's Jody reading my favorite Marianne Williamson quote to send you off.
1: Again, thank you for joining me and here's to your success.
0: Hi again. Would you rather spend your weekends outside playing or at your desk? In Down a 40-hour CPA mastermind, we put an end to overworking while maintaining revenue. Go to GeraldineCarter.com to learn more. Dates, times, pricing, it's all there.